Welcome to the Global Watch Prayer Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we build community in prayer to empower the church from local expressions to global connections. For more information and resources on the Global Watch, visit theglobalwatch.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Global Watch International Prayer Room. Today is November the 16th, 2023, and it is 3 p.m. Jerusalem time. This is the Biblical Roots class led and taught by Alyosha and Jody Rebanoff. And without delay, we just want to bless you both, Alyosha and Jody, with grace and favor and shalom and continued healing. And we just thank you and praise you, Father, for what you have deposited in them to bring and deposit in each one of us. And we are so thankful, Lord, that they are back and in, in their home and that all is going as you have planned father we thank you and praise you that you are directing their steps and that father you have something for each one today to lay hold of lord that your kingdom would come and be among all of your people in the name of yeshua amen amen, amen. Thank, you. thank you thank you okay i'm really glad that i am able to do this uh, the day before yesterday, I asked Jody, so that perhaps we should cancel it because I was sick for three days after we came back. We, we traveled for one month in USA and, and then came here and it was really active, really bad stomach pain. So bad I couldn't sleep three nights too. Didn't eat, didn't sleep. And, but Jody, of course, is a specialist in knowing what to do plus we can take away the supernatural because our two dear friends came, the one in the prime, and prayed for us, prayed for me. And about an hour after they left, everything began to reverse to normal. So I can't deny the supernatural act that the Lord was involved using everything. And here I am. Uh, now I just want to announced a few things before I teach. So when, when I started this class, I felt that the Lord wanted me first to lay down the main kingdom message here um, from the Hebraic Foundation, the way I've done seminars. I'm already, and see Reinhardt, he's <laughs> translated this message many times, this message is many times to German. Um, I chose, uh, last time we, we had a special message and relating to, to, to the war and things that I, I've mentioned. And many people wrote to me and they say, I'm gonna teach on Abadiah. I'll tell you this, Obad today, Abadiah, Ezekiel 35, um, Isaiah 63, verses one through six, absolutely relevant for what what's going on and it is very possible that i will share on abadiah but not here um, on saturday we have our um international zoom group some of you are on that group and we've been going to the book of zachariah which is so relevant and stopped in chapter 11 and then we had all this interruption with the travel and I'm considering not continuing with Zachariah for one more week and really laying out because 
We are dealing with the ancient spirit that comes from Jacob's brother, Esau, and his descendants, which are called Edomites, and that the Lord, before he comes, he's going to defeat that spirit. Edomites means red, and also inside there is a word dumb, a bloodthirsty spirit that wants, wants not only to do violence in a normal way, but Hamas violence is, enjoys torturing. So anyway, we'll probably deal with that on, on Saturday in our group. If you want to be part of it, Jody will post the link. Um, and those of you who are in other countries, it's Jerusalem time, 11 o'clock on Saturday. But it's recorded and it goes on the YouTube. So you need to join the group to get the links. Second thing, people ask me for the notes. Really uh, don't have notes for this. Once Reinhardt and I made special notes and I... I just don't know how to follow them. I know how to play them, but following notes is not <laughs> easy for me. And But what you can expect is that I wrote a book that is being edited by special friends now. It's finally on the editing stage where everything that I teach now is in that book. And the name of the book is The Hidden Elephant. It'll be very relevant and we'll, we'll let everybody know once it's out that they will get all the notes in there, in that book. For this reason, I want to continue on this foundational kingdom message that I started uh, two months ago. I departed last month from it a little bit, but the message is that we are the message of the Bible is the kingdom, this war that we're in, it's the kingdom of darkness is warring against the kingdom of God. It affects all of us. If we are believers in God, that means we are in this war. When I was traveling, I couldn't get back to Israel because I want to be well and I want to fight too. My weapon is a piano. My, our weapon is worship and there's a way that we can all fight in a spirit that is very powerful. Now, so today we're going to continue on the kingdom of God, and I will turn to the book of Isaiah in a minute. I just want to say this, that this message of the kingdom is new, even though people have been talking about the kingdom for all the time and kingdom of god is not like a new term but it's new in the way it is presented because it proves beyond a doubt that establishment of israel by god bringing jews back to the land is the main part major part of god's bringing the kingdom of god to earth Without Israel, there is no kingdom. And it's very powerfully easy to prove to the Bible. If we talk about the kingdom and don't see Israel, don't understand, then we are talking about a replacement kingdom. And you notice the enemy is not just against Israel in, in that spot. 
The enemy is against the Jews, because as long as Jews exist, the message comes to the principalities and powers that God's going to rule. One day God will rule. Okay, with this, let us turn to Isaiah. Okay. I'm going to share the screen now with you. And this is one of the central message of the kingdom. After Reformation, the main message of Christianity became personal salvation. And personal salvation is part of the message, but it's not the main message. There's also a national salvation. There's also um, world salvation. So as a matter of fact, the way the Lord is showing salvation by saving the entire nation out of Egypt. But Isaiah specifies something. He specifies four areas of the kingdom of God. And these areas are have to work together. Salvation, you'll see, is one of these four, four areas. And this is in chapter 52 of Isaiah. The verse is very much familiar to a lot of people, a lot of believers. Um, verse 7, where we read like this. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger of good news, of good tidings, here uh, that announces okay i'm going to stop here so what we have here is unveiling of this messenger uh who's who is called in here mevaser that's the word mevaser mevaser is where we get uh the hebrew word also from here from this word the word gospel besura in, in hebrew is means gospel Mevaser is a messenger or somebody who is delivering the news and not necessarily has to be a happy news. For example, in the ancient time, if there was a battle and then the battle is finished and they send a messenger back to the people and he will tell, give them a message. We won or we lost, something like that. So that's, that would be it would be um, actually what they translate gospel. <laughs> but basically, he is a news reporter. Now, of course, this messenger is much bigger than the news reporter because I believe this messenger is Yeshua himself. It's uh, the Messiah. Isaiah he talks about the Messiah, that, that he's dealing and announcing these four areas. And so the first areas that he is announcing, here's the word mashmia. Mashmia means let our, others hear, announce. Shalom. Okay. Now I'm not going to go deep into this right now. Basically, shalom that translates peace comes from the word that means to complete, completion. And also, when we use the word uh, for paying something, when I say meshalem, it's another form of shalom, pay. Like in the grocery store, you buy some uh, 
products and groceries, you put them in a basket, but your transaction is not complete. How do you complete it? By paying for it. And you say, I need Meshalem, I pay. Somebody has to pay the price. And so that's a, one area here, and it's really big. And one, one session will deal with really biblical shalom, what it really means. The second one, Mevaserp, announces. Now here he says, good tidings. Now here in Hebrew, we have one word, tov. Tov, how many in Hebrew? It means good. Now, where, where do I see the word tidings in Hebrew? I don't. Or do I see the word good news? No, I don't see the word news. It just says good. Somebody that announces, he announces good. So our translators take, take quite a bit of liberty to add some words because they think they know something. Yeah. The third thing, our announcer announces himashmia that means let others hear yeshua yeshua is salvation right here and so as you see salvation is part of the message of the kingdom and then one more thing that the messenger announces and that is omer lezion malach eloaich it says, he says to Zion, your king reigns. Yes, your king reigns. So these are the areas. So part of the kingdom message is that Zion needs to hear this message, your king reigns. And we know who the king is. I'm sorry, did I say your king? I, I made a mistake. Your God reigns, but it's, but God is king. So. But the scripture says, see, Malach means reigns, and Eloheich is your God. Your God reigns. So tell Zion, say to Zion, your God reigns. Ooh. Now, let me unveil a little bit here. It says, how beautiful upon the mountains. Why does it say the mountains in this verse? And it's interesting because mountains in... Uh, in Tanakh, when I say Tanakh, that's, that's the Old Testament, usually represent the nations or the powers of the nations. And we know if we take that this scripture already for to, today's time, we know that the message of the kingdom went to the nations after Yeshua died and rose from the dead, and the nations are have heard uh, the gospel message. So even though this is the scripture is proclamation to Zion and because Zion, if you read the verses before Zion, the daughter of Zion is in bondage and this proclamation of salvation, who's gonna tell her your God reigns? And this is interesting because first time I taught it and I remember Reinhardt was translating me and he pointed it to something that is, I believe, is very valid, that there is a very famous song known among the nations that's written on this verse. And it has a refrain and it goes like this, how God reigns, I hope you know that song, yeah? There's a problem 
it doesn't say what the scriptures say. The, the scripture doesn't say our God reigns, tell Zion our God reigns. The scriptures say tell Zion your God reigns. You see the difference. Maybe this is one of the reasons so many people came to Israel to proclaim the gospel, but they didn't in, in such a way that they didn't understand the roots and everything. And Israel is waiting for somebody like Ruth. When the biblical Ruth did not want to separate from Naomi, and she told her this awesome words, your God is my God, your people are my people. And it was Ruth that God used to bring about the eternal throne, King David. It's amazing. So the Lord is raising modern day Ruth today that understands the roots, that understands your place in this kingdom and understands her role toward Israel, toward the Jewish people, because she becomes part of this kingdom of Israel. Now, all of you who were born from the nations, not of Jewish background, you've been engrafted into the covenant that God made with Israel. And you're part of this kingdom. There's only one kingdom. There's no one kingdom for the church or another for the Jews, this kingdom, that's it. These are the four important areas. And I, today, I want to deal with the one that deals with dope. And hopefully we have enough time because I think we're gonna go for an hour and 15 minutes, longer than one hour. Because I still, I also wanna play piano, but I wanna get to a place of our identity. But there's a few things to unveil here. And dope. What does Tov really means according to the scripture? And truly, in order to learn about understanding of these words and concepts, very good to go to a place where you hear, you read about this word for the first time in the Bible. And this is a very easy word to find somewhere in the beginning of the Bible, Tov. Good. Where do we hear good? I'm sure many of you, hopefully, most of you. And that will be in the beginning of the Bible. In Genesis, as God is creating the world, and we like this, in the beginning God created heavens and the earth was unformed and void. Whoops, how did I lose that? Yeah. And the darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, be light, not there. Basically he said, Vayomer Elohim yehi or, means be light, yehi or, and there was light. And then we have this phrase, and God saw the light that it was good, and God divided light from darkness. You see this phrase, God saw, it was good. Now I see that there is a huge pattern here, which is very important because if the same phrase appears many times, that means the text is telling you, pay attention, this is something to learn from. Because when um, we come to verse 10, and this is another day here. 
when when you separation of the dry land and the seas and it says god saw it was good you go to verse 12 god saw it was good same thing as we come to the very very end it says god saw everything he made and behold it was everything he made it was very good very good see that word too what is the significance of that and why does it say god saw it was good does it mean that before god created something God closed his eyes and he says, be light. And he opens his eyes and says, oh, it is good. Or does it mean something else? But if God saw what is good, let's look at the, another passage here in Genesis. That would be Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Verse 5 says, and the Lord saw, what? The wickedness of men. What's that word for wickedness? Ah, yeah. Ra appears twice here in this verse. Here it is again. This is a feminine, feminine form, and this is a masculine form. It's the same. And Ra actually means evil. So we would translate God saw the evil of man and i would really prefer to translate it evil because it has to be consistent god saw the evil of man was great and worse and every imagination and thoughts of his heart was only evil continually so what i believe that when it says god saw the lord saw is that the lord determines this is the, the domain of the king to determine what is good and what is not, what is evil. Only he decides according to his understanding what is good and what is evil. In chapter two of Genesis, God said that something wasn't good what wasn't good? I mean, he, there was a man in the garden with God. What else do you need? And God said, not good for man to be alone. Not good. God determines that besides the garden and God himself, that man needs another partner, another human being, to share in love. That's why it's, it's not good. So God is the teacher of that. Okay, uh, let me just, let me see. I like to always to open the questions, but maybe we'll do it um, closer to the end. Because let, let me continue. I just want to say one thing. Is this clear so far? If it's not, if, if something's not clear, ask me now. We go to Genesis chapter 2 right now. 
and we come to this place where God is creating a man, putting him in a garden, and here's the verse 9. <coughs> and out of the ground made the Lord God, or we can say his name, Yahweh God, to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. <coughs> now, the tree of life uh, was, I'm looking in Hebrew, if there's no word also in Hebrew, so you can throw it away. Okay, the tree of life in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, this is a little bit, this sentence is a little bit strange. If I ask you, where was the tree of life? It, it's easy. It says it was in the midst of the garden. Some translations say in the middle, but that's wrong. It says betohagan, which means inside the garden, somewhere inside the garden. But listen how it phrases the tree of life in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's a strange sentence. It doesn't tell you where the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, we, we know it's inside the garden too, but by the context, but why is it that way? You know, why, it's a lot easier to say that the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil goes where? Somewhere in the midst of the garden. But for some reason, the location, focus, is given to the tree of life. And this is a very important because right here, the text is focusing on what is important to God. Even though both trees are in the garden, God, the Garden of Eden will become a place of choice for man and a woman. Because just like when Israelites came out of Egypt and God spoke to them and says to them, you have a choice. I said before you, life and death, blessing and curse. But it doesn't say choose what you want. Choose life. And God commands us which choice to make, which we will find a little bit, a few verses later about God's commandment here. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. This is really bad here. Um, I'll tell you why. <clears throat> but many people think there was only one commandment in the Bible of not to eat from the tree. But here's, no, there's more than one. The first commandment is right here. Of every tree of the garden, you, doesn't say may freely eat, sorry. Those of you who know a little bit of biblical Hebrew, you see a double verb here. Lehol means to eat. Achol tochel, it's a word to eat in two different forms. That means that this is the strongest possible command. Not may freely eat. You must eat it. You, it's your life and death. You have to eat it. It's a, the strongest have to 
the strongest must in, that you can find in the biblical Hebrew is this. So, um, <clears throat> second command is, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it, for in the day that you will eat of it, you shall for sure die. See, that death is a very strong command, and here it's translated correctly by double word. Mot tamut. You're not just going to die. You will die for sure. So two commandments. And so we have a picture here that God creates a garden, puts all kinds of beautiful trees, beautiful to look, delicious to eat. This one tree that represents life. And a man is in charge of the garden of Eden, except for one thing that doesn't belong to him. And that is this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because we just learned that the knowledge of good and evil belongs not to men, but to God. Only he determines what is good and evil. So he places this tree in the garden to remind man that even though he is in charge and he is a wonderful being and he can create things like God because God is a creator, man is a little creator, he can forget who gave him life and who is about him, but this tree is a reminder to him. Yes, you are wonderful, you are in charge, but there's somebody is over you. So with this, we're going to chop next chapter three. And so we have what we have here is a meeting with a snake. The snake comes to a woman here, and she says, as God said, you shall not eat of any tree of the garden. This is not a question, by the way, in Hebrew. It's a statement. There's no question here. So basically said, I would have translated like this. Even though God said you shall not, um, you shall not eat from all the trees of the garden. Okay, not just one tree. In Hebrew, it's not any, but it says all the tree. Mikola et sagam. Even though God says you shall not eat from from all the trees. So what? The snake is an, at this time, uh, let's look at the snake as an animal, um, but it was very advanced animal, talking animal. Um, and uh, it was, but you see, it was still animal because it says it was a beast of the field. Beast of the field you find in chapter two, when God created all the beasts of the field in, from the ground and then, then uh, God brought them all one by one to for Adam to name to see if he could find a partner, which he, which he couldn't. So then God made him an appropriate partner by putting him to sleep and making out of him a woman out of the bone of him. Yeah. But, but here it is. He's a beast of the field. He's an animal, and animals never receive commandments from God. So animals, how do they live by instincts, by desires. But do human beings have desires? Of course they do. Except, and, and actually there's nothing wrong with desires. God gave it to us. Imagine life with no desires, it would be so boring. But 
We're not called to obey all the desires. We're, we're called to obey the word of God. We're called to live by the word of God. And the word of God is, has been given to them. What will bring them life and what will bring them death was the word of God. But so that's the difference between us and the animal. If we live by instincts, then we like animals. Okay. Now the woman is responding to the snake. And look what she's saying. Of the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. Now she, here she's correct. She didn't say must eat. She actually is diminishing command. It just says no, no hell. We, we, we can eat. Yeah. No problem. But look at this verse. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither you shall touch it, lest you die. I hope you notice what I see here. She is reversing what we saw in chapter 2. Because which tree was highlighted in chapter 2, which was in the midst of the garden? That was a tree of life. Which tree the woman is highlighting here? Look at this. I read it again. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, lest, uh, and you shall not touch it, lest you die. And it's all about focus in chapter 2. God is giving us a focus on tree that's important to him. Over here, she, the woman is focusing on the other tree. You see, a different focus. That means that she's already having desire. She was there when the snake got to her. The snake did not put any desire into her. The snake just begins to play with it and the snake wants to, um, she would fall and Adam, so he has agenda. But she, and see what she says? Lest you die. No, God says you will die for sure. And she says, pant mutun. It's like she's diminishing the punishment. Okay, we may die, but maybe we won't. When you look at something and you want something and you continue to want something, you know it's wrong and you're not stopping it, then it begins to overtake. Then you begin to uh, downplay the, the, the consequences of this. But anyway, so she's diminishing. Okay, we may die. No, scripture says you will die for sure. Okay. Now the snake is deceiving her, of course. No, you shall not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you shall be as God, knowing good and evil. And he, this is what she wanted because there's a lot of wonderful trees in the garden. It's not the taste, it's not the look, even though it looked good to her. Fruit is wonderful. But this secret knowledge that does not belong to man, something, this knowledge that belongs to God, that if you have this knowledge, you will be on God's level. There's a good way 
to be like God because God made us like him in his image, uh, but he gave us creativity. He gave us all kinds of attributes from himself. In many ways, we are like God, but we are not like God in terms of position and in terms of rulership. He rules over us and there are certain things belong to him that don't belong to us. And now she wanted to be elevated to his level. And see, this is what's going on here. Look at verse six. Because with everything we just learned, look what's happening. And when the woman saw, you see the word saw? That the tree was good. Oh, you see. Who is determining what is good now? I thought only God could determine. God saw it was good. Oh, God saw. Now a woman saw. The tree was good, the food. It was delight to the eyes. Yes, it was tasty, it was beautiful to the eyes, but here it is, that the tree was to be desired. She's giving in to desire to make ones wise. And actually the word last skill is to educate, to promote the education that will promote you into the place of God where you won't need God anymore. You see the danger here. That word lehaskil, where we have Hebrew word haskala, from here we have the English word school. And now this word school is a Hebrew word. So she went to a wrong kind of school here. And she begins to, yeah, the whole fall is not even in taking a bite. The whole fall is beginning to determine the way God does. She's giving in her, her desire. Ah, what a tragedy. And then she, where was the husband? Right here. She took the fruit of what she did eat, and she gave also unto her husband with her. He was standing right there. He was listening to the whole conversation. And he did it too. At least the woman was deceived. He was listening when the spirit of darkness was getting to her, commandment was given to him. He didn't do nothing to protect him. But he also ate. And he directly disobeyed here and entered into sin. And of course, then the eyes of them were open. They saw they were naked. Of course they were naked because now they, were, they, they came out from God's protection. They were in God. They were under his rulership. And now they come out from the open. They observe God's office. Um, God's authority they observed and what a tragedy so now they saw the fig leaves and as a result now they hear the, the God's voice walking in the garden they, hear, they hide themselves and the Lord God in verse 9 is calling unto man unto Adam <clears throat> and he says to him where are you? Doesn't God know where he is? And they're hiding under some tree. Doesn't he see the tree where they're hiding? What kind of question is this? Now here's that word. Ayeka. Now this is actually a combination of two words because ka is actually ha, which is part of what you, you. Here's the word aye. Aye means where. In, especially in the biblical Hebrew, you'll find it all over the Bible. 
Aye. There is another word for where in Hebrew, and that's Ephor. When you have the word Aye inside the word Ephor. The word Ephor usually deals with location. And we use it today in the modern Hebrew, in spoken Hebrew. Especially many of you that come to Israel, you, you learn that word, Ephor. You come and you want to know, you want to say, where is the bathroom? Ephor Sharutim. It's a very important phrase. You know, so that deals with location, but Ayer does not deal with location. Ayer simply says, you are not here. You are gone. You're not with me. What happened to you? You are lost. And here's a tragedy. This is where the man loses himself by, by, by first displacing. It's clearly here. God is displacing God. I'm, God, I'm sorry. I'm, and I lost his words. And man is displacing God from being the king. And now he's losing himself because he's not in the right place. That means no longer sorry about the dogs here um no he knows who he is he doesn't know who he is anymore that's a loss of identity right there so from that point on god man is gonna look for his identity and we see it's very clearly in chapter 10 of genesis let's get to genesis chapter 10 where wait a minute did I say chapter 10 chapter 11 all of you know the story where people come to the land of Shinar it's where Nimrod began to build his kingdom Nimrod was a hunter not before the Lord against the Lord in the context he was a rebel. His name was a rebellion. Merit. Nimrod literally means we will rebel. He is leading people into this land. And they have a project here. It says, come let us make brick. So they make brick. And they burn the brick. Then they have a second project. See, every time it says, come let us, it's a new project. Come let us build us a city. So then they second project. So from the bricks, they build a city. And in the city, they, they put a tower with the top to heaven. And the tragedy here is that a man right now <clears throat> is using one of the greatest gifts that God gave us. And God gave us a gift of creativity to create something wonderful. We are called to be a co-builders of God's kingdom. But here, man is not following God. He's not building his kingdom. What are they doing? They're building a name for themselves. They don't know what they are. They say, oh, let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad of the face of the whole earth. Not only they want to build a name for themselves, they want to build a legacy. But if we try to build ourselves without God, we get scared, we get lost. And it's just going in the wrong direction. All over here. <clears throat> and so we have a situation here where now, the first two people in the garden lost their identity. They began to be like God. Today, man defines what is good and evil. Look at the world today. And how do we define it? How do we use the word good? 
I mean, I could say, oh, that ice cream tastes, I love it, it's good. But I don't like celery, it's bad. Now you see, I apply my own taste and I define what is good and evil according to my desires. But then we take it to moral standards. And today, scripture says, a time will come when a man will call uh, evil good and good evil. You'll reverse and look what they teach in schools, in the Western schools today. Oh my gosh, I know. I'm not going to even say to you, you know what's going on in the world today and the propaganda of, there's a war against God. Every foundation that God has set in his word, the enemy is fighting, wants to destroy. Well, did God lo lose the battle? No, he doesn't. Because in this very chapter, we meet this character, Abraham. We're in chapter 11, yeah. And in chapter 12, let's go to one chapter here, sorry, that's scrolling so fast. The famous words of God to Abraham. Here he says, and the Lord, or in Hebrew, um, to Avram, I don't like this, get the out, it's just go, go from your country, from your kindred, which means it's actually a place of your birth, and from your father's house, unto the land that I will show you. This is one of my favorite verses, and I, years ago when I read it, the question was raised to me. It's very interesting that God is telling Avram to go. He has to go and see, but he doesn't tell him where. He says, we'll go to the land that I will show you. Don't give him address, like GPS. Canaan land, Terebinth Street, 62. No, no address, nothing. Just, I'm going to show you where to go. But all the details is where he's coming from. Why? Why do we need all the details? Leave your, how does it say? Leave your land, literally. Leave the, the place of your birth. Leave your father's house. Why such stress on where you're coming from? Unless this is more than just physical relocation of someone. Because where did Abraham, where, where was Abraham born? He was born in the kingdom of Nimrod, in that Babylon that Nimrod built. What kind of background did he have? In uh, Jewish writings, it says that his father was idol made, maker, we don't know for sure. But, but what kind of culture did what kind of did he have? What kind of words did he heard from the father? What kind of values did he receive? And what God is saying to him, it's about time for you to start looking at yourself and lift up your eyes, lift up your head, and begin to look at me. 
And I'm going to lead you to a place where I will show you. You're going to follow me. Now, and one of the most amazing things is this Hebrew word for go. It's not get out, like it says here. But it's two words here, lech lecha, that appears three or four times in the entire Bible. Once in the Song of Solomon, beautiful phrase. It can be translated as idiom, go. But it's interesting that when we translate both words, we find something amazing. Because lech in Hebrew means go. And it would be enough if I'd say lech me'artzecha. Me doesn't have to have this word. I would translate, go from your land. But lecha in Hebrew means to yourself. And that is one of the most amazing things. Because God, it's like underneath text here. Yeah, maybe on the service we read go. But God says, go to yourself. You're going to get out of your background. Everything you know about yourself and your family in your culture and I'm going to bring you to myself. I'm going to help you find yourself first. Before you can do anything for me, I'm going to let you find yourself. So you're going to have to lift up your eyes and look to me because only having God above us and looking to him and, and knowing him, we can find ourselves. We will never know who we are by focusing on us. If I try to build myself and my legacy, I become a tower builder. But if I lift up my eyes, one thing that God wants us to know more than anything else is to know him. This is why he gave us his word and the prophets and everything is because God wants us to know who he is. Because if we know who he is, we know who we are. If we don't know who he is, we do not know who we are and this is why the, there will be a reflections of this verse which i show you in a minute but Abraham is going in totally opposite direction from the tower builders where they try to build a big city and a tower to make their names he's coming eventually ends up in this land of canaan and the first place he goes, he's not going to build a house. He's going to live in a tent, but he builds an altar, not from the bricks he burned, but from the natural stone. And he begins to call on the name of God. So instead of building his name, he begins to promote God's name. He goes to the next place, he does the same thing. The land that God showed him, he says, first, I want to establish God's name in every corner. Wherever my foot touches, I am going to proclaim God's name. And God says, I know you, and I will take care of me. Here in, in this Genesis, he says, I will make you a great name. God's going to take care of you. Who, who remembers the names of the tower, tower builders except for Nimrod for, for a different reason? Nobody. Everybody knows the name Abraham today and what he did and his foundation that he built for the kingdom of God. 
First of all, he had to find his name. So now, okay, how about I speed up? Because I wanted to play for 20 minutes. I am jumping now to Psalm 45. Actually, let's look at Ruth first. Because there's just so amazing in the book of Ruth. Chapter 2 is when she is so amazed being a foreigner, being Moabites, how Boaz is so kind to her. And here's how Boaz, what he tells you, verse 11, Boaz tells Ruth, it has been fully told me what you've done to your mother-in-law since death of your husband and how you have left, listen to your father, your mother, and the land of your nativity. That's exactly the same word, that God told Abraham. And you came to people you did not know before. Wow, the text is comparing Ruth to Abraham here. So powerful, so amazing. And now, I'm going to go to Psalm 45. Now we come to verse 11. By the way, if you have normal English Bibles, uh, that would be verse 10. But in Hebrew Bible, it's verse 11. And it says, hearken, which is listen. In Hebrew, shim'i, about uh, a daughter. Then it says, consider. It's actually re'i, look, and incline your ear. Now, when text says, pay attention in three different ways. Listen, consider, <clears throat> incline your ear. Something that comes next is very important. He says, <clears throat> forget your own people and your father's house. You see the echo of what God told Abraham? Why? Because the king desires your beauty. He is your Lord. It says of him, worship him. Wow. Turn your eyes to the king. You see what worship does? Looking to the king. So awesome. Many of us don't even know how beautiful we are until we look to the king. And he will tell them. The king has desire for us. The king loves us. Many of us have not really received the kind words at home. Many fathers tell their children, I love you, you're special, you're beautiful. When we turn our eyes to God, God begins to reverse what took place in the garden, how the man and the woman fell from his presence. And now we turn to him and God begins to restore our true identity. Our identity is number one thing. If we even have a ministry without knowing who we really are, then we're going to create that ministry into our own kingdom, not God's kingdom. It's going to hurt people. We're called to be co-builders of God's kingdom, but we need to know who we are. And the only way we know who we are is by resting in Him. When God created the world, He worked for six days, but the man was a final act of creating. And... uh, Oh, okay. Sorry about this. 
I thought I had another 15 minutes. But Are we fighting this on next? So your your hours. Oh, my hours finished, right? Sorry. Okay, but anyway, let's just say that the first day of man's life was Shabbat, and he got to know. He was able to get to know his father as his father that stopped looking to him. I believe that God wants us to restore his identity. Okay, I, I, I apologize. Somehow I said I thought I had another 15 minutes, uh, but uh, I will stop here and maybe next week we'll have some process and pray. Maybe if you have questions, you could write. Thank you so much. We love you and thank you so much for all you bring to the table. Yes, we are going to move over to a special situation room on anti-Semitism. And so I'm going to just stop this recording so we have this.